Well, it indeed is a tremendous privilege to worship at Myerstown. So good to be here. Feel the warm fellowship, the love for Jesus. Bless you. So yeah, just a little over a week ago, Joyce and I were up in those, what are they called again? Those cloud trails, <laughs> absorbing all the chemicals. We flew to Mexico and spent a week there and enjoyed our time. We had, the intent of our trip was to spend a few days with the caregivers that Roger and Becky are in charge of at the orphanage. So we enjoyed a, a few days away from the orphanage and then we had about a day and a half back at Choice. So our time was kind of a blur, but I just want to say, see Tony, Linda here, uh, Roger and Becky are doing an incredible job. I just was amazed at their responsibility and the good job they're doing, giving oversight to uh, a fairly, fairly significant organization there at Choice. We enjoyed a, uh, one night with Jason and Jamie as well. And I just encourage you to, to keep I know it's in your prayer, prayer uh, in your bulletin as prayer requests, and I know you pray. But I just want to encourage you to continue to continue to pray for the missionaries that God is using. With uh, Jason and Jamie, we I was just amazed sitting around their table, and their table has grown quite a bit. They have six children with them currently. And they have their hands, I guess I'll say, very full. They just uh, took two young ones in that I think have created some challenges for them. And I just want to encourage you to just to pray for them. Enjoyed, enjoyed a, a quick trip over to his coffee shop and enjoyed a very good cup of coffee. I'm curious, how many of you were along on the, mission, uh, on the uh, youth missions trip to Choice, Mexico years ago? I don't see your hands. Check it out. Several. Well, they're still talking about that trip. <laughs> is it good or is it bad? It's really good. We had uh, a meal with the Len and Debbie Miller family as well in choice, and they're the ones that brought it up. I guess they were the ones responsible back when your visit was, back when you visited, maybe you even stayed, I'm not even sure, but yeah, he talked about the Myerstown uh, youth group and how you, he, they were so blessed, and I just want to pass that on. And here's the specific he gave. Len and Debbie Miller have, uh, I forget how many children, it's, it's, 11 children? Okay. It's quite a few children. And he said, this youth group reached out to all of our children, even the young ones. And that was just so neat to hear that echo years, years later. So bless you for that. During the meal with Len and Debbie Miller, they engaged in what they call their family tradition. They have a family tradition of when, they're, when they have guests... They interrogate them. And he warned me right up front. He said, well, you're going to have a meal. We're going to interrogate you. I said, well, I, you know, there is a Fifth Amendment, and you can have the right to remain silent at any time. He said, that's fine, but you lose dessert. And he said, actually, we have a son, our youngest son. Usually his question eliminates all dessert. His question is, can you share your most embarrassing moment? The questions that they gave us were just probing. One of the questions was, name someone that has inspired you, and why? Another question was, share your favorite Bible verse, or one of your favorite Bible verses, and what it means to you. And there was at least five questions. The one question is a, is a springboard to the message this morning. The one question was, would you be willing to share one, at least one time where God clearly spoke to you? 
said, no, I'd rather, I mean, not necessarily you're coming to salvation. Sometime in your Christian life that God clearly spoke to you. And I'll admit to you, sometimes when they ask the questions, I'd look at Joyce, Joyce looks at me, and, you know, who's going first? And sometimes it takes us a while to answer. And on this one, Joyce answered first, and she talked about when her mother passed away while we were in Grenada. And, and it was just a blessing for me to hear her articulate how God clearly spoke to her in that time of her life. And, and for me, it was, one, I mean, one of the first first things that came to my mind was uh, when, when God called us to move back from Grenada. It was probably one of the most significant times where I sensed God speak. And since those questions, I pondered that quite a bit. And shame on me. I'm not, I don't journal well. I don't diary well. We should. That's right, we should. Or at least set up some kind of stones. God told his people to set up stones so you remember your children see the stones and ask. And, and I think sometimes we, we don't remember the times God speaks to us. Uh, how, how would you answer the question? Hey, that's an idea. Verbal, we do that for verbal counsel, Leon, right? You know, let's pass the mic around sometime and give a fair warning. Could you share a time where God significantly spoke to you? And actually, if you really stop and think, I I, I think your list is going to be pretty long. You might not get home very early from that service. And it would be very interesting to hear us share our relationship with the God of heaven in a very personal way. So I've reflected on that quite a bit and not necessarily the handwriting on the wall times. You may or may not have them, but God does speak. So I titled the message this morning, Ears to Hear. Simply Ears to Hear. The, and I take it from the phrase that is repeated in the New Testament several times where Jesus would speak. And then it says, at one, and I think at one point it says, he cried with a loud voice. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. So does that, do you think all the people went like, yep, got, got to. No, there's something deeper there. Ears to hear. And in this message, I really want us to know, I want us to know that God speaks to his people. And I want us to know that God speaks to his people so so that we intentionally listen or incline our ears. That's kind of the the heartbeat of the message that God has laid on my heart this morning to share. I'd like to break it into four points. I think they're simple. Number one, God speaks to his people. Secondly, how God speaks to his people. Thirdly, discerning his voice and then finally just a few uh, practical applications so the first point is basically a collection of scriptures and I just I just want us to know that God does speak to his people God speaks God is personal God is relational and God speaks to his people The first scripture I'd like to share, I'd like to go back to a Sunday school lesson that I have not recovered from. That's right. A few months ago, I was sitting in a Sunday school class, and I don't think anybody noticed my alarm. I was jolted. I guess it was God speaking to me. And I... You probably were parked on the same lesson earlier in this Sunday school quarterly in, in, uh, first, in yeah, first Samuel. It says that Samuel was ministering to the Lord, simply serving the Lord in the capacity he could. 
And then it says the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. And that word precious would better be rendered in our understanding rare. People hardly heard from God. And I wondered, why? Why weren't people hearing from God? I don't think it was the fact that God said, I'm going to give a little period of here that I'm just simply not going to talk to them. I conclude, or my, my conclusion to that dilemma that I read, that I have not recovered from, is in the form of a question. Will God constantly speak if we're not listening? Will God constantly speak if I'm just not tuned in? Do you know what it's like to speak when nobody's listening? <laughs> I actually think God gave women an incredible innate sensitivity to that. <laughs> yeah. Some of you men like me have played the game. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yes, right. They can, they can pick up on it so quick. But, but I think we all can too. You ever try to make an announcement and you just can't get anybody's attention and nobody's and I think that was the problem in Samuel's day or in Eli in this time in Israel. People just simply weren't listening. That's a sad that's a sad, sad story when people won't listen. Well, the beautiful story of Samuel, I'm not going to talk about that, but uh, I, I just was amazed that in reading it again how the process is given. Did you ever consider that? It could have said Samuel was serving the Lord and the word of the Lord came to Samuel and it gave it to Eli. And, but instead we have the, the whole process of how it worked. And you know Samuel was called, God called Samuel and he didn't know what was going on. And it happened how many times? And he went to Eli and finally Eli says, got it. Next time, speak, Lord, thy servant hears. God calls again. And maybe if you forget everything else, I said, catch this one. Speak, Lord, for thy servant hears. wonder if we would do well to say that every day when we wake up in the morning. Speak, Lord, I'm listening. And God gave a message to Israel but it seemed that recognizing God's voice took a little, some maturity. And I don't know if that's all part of this process, but I find, I'm glad that God gave us, the, gave us the process. So that's the first scripture I want to make reference to. The second scripture I'm just going to read as well. Just listen. Uh, if you're taking notes, uh, it's Jeremiah 17, verse 23. The first two are very negative. The, the last ones are very positive. In Jeremiah, Jeremiah is lamenting in chapter 17, verse 23. It says, they obeyed not. They didn't incline their ear, but they made their neck stiff that they might not hear and not receive instruction. Wow. Now, I'd like a volunteer to come up front here and show us what it means to make your neck stiff. I don't see a volunteer. What did God what did God mean by that? Stiffen up your neck. God was saying that's the condition of his people. They're making their neck stiff. They're not inclining their ear and they're not obeying me. And they don't hear. Ears to hear. Those are two sad verses in the Old Testament. So now please turn to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 1. My point, this first point is God speaks to his people. God speaks to his people. Hebrews, let's do 1, 1. Chapter 1, verse 1. God who in sundry times, in diverse manners spake in time pass unto the fathers by the prophets hath in these days last days 
spoken unto us by his Son, whom he have appointed heir of all things, whom also he made the worlds. So what I see there is God, in, in many different eras, he spoke in so many different ways. Okay, But now in the last days, he's speaking, spoken, he speaks primarily through his son, Jesus, who he appointed to be heir of all things. Now, I'll flip over just a few pages to chapter 3, where, where the subject is having ears to hear. Our point is God speaks to his people. And I'd like to start reading in verse 7 of chapter 3. It says, Whereas, I'm sorry, wherefore, as the Holy Ghost says, Today, if you will hear his voice, let me repeat that. If you will hear his voice. I used to read that like this. It's kind of sad, but this is how I read it. If you hear his voice. That's what I thought it said. If I was going to quote that verse, one day I well, wait. It says, if you will hear his voice. It's an act of will. If you will hear his voice, verse 8 tells us the command. Harden not your hearts, as in the provocation in the day of the temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and I saw my works forty years. Wherefore I was grieved with that generation and said, They do always err in their heart. They have not known my way. So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter in my rest. Take heed, brothers, lest there be in you, or any of you, an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it's called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. While it is said, today, we're back to where we started. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. As in the provocation, for some, when they heard, they provoked. In other words, they rebelled. Howbeit, not all that came out of Egypt by Moses. And I'm going to stop reading there. And I, I'm just trying to capture the point. God speaks to his people. If we hear, if we will hear, God will speak. And finally, and this is the beautiful, the, the, maybe the most beautiful passage that I was tempted to just do a, a, a message expositionally through John chapter 10. So if you want to join me, you can. I'm just going to quote a few verses in this beautiful passage of John 10, where Jesus gives himself, pictures himself as the good shepherd. He says in verse it's a fairly long discourse, but I'm going to read verses 14 and 15. It says, and the good shepherd, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. I am known of mine. As my father knows me, so know I'm the father, and I lay down my life for the, for the sheep. And that is in the context of a, a contrast where Jesus contrasts himself as the good shepherd to a hireling. And if you would back up to the verses right before I read, it talks about the hireling sees danger and sees a wolf coming and leaves the sheep and the sheep scatter. And then it says, because he doesn't really care for the sheep. He doesn't care. But Jesus is our good shepherd. He knows us and we know him. And there's a relationship and it is beautiful. Well, there's a few verses about some division among the Jews about what he said. And go down to verse 27. Here it is so clear, brothers. Uh, if, I would, if, I, if I would do it this and say, uh, I'm going to ask for a raise of hands. There's basically sheep and there's lambs and there's wolves, Okay. So how many, don't raise your hand, but how many of you are a wolf? I hope I didn't see a hand. And then I hope I would see lots of hands on sheep and maybe a few hands on a lamb, a young, young sheep. We're growing into maturity. But those of us as sheep in the, shepherd, in, in the fold of the good shepherd, listen carefully. Verse 27 
My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And then he goes on to give them the famous Calvinistic verses of, and no one will ever pluck them out of my hand, and I will give them eternal life on those conditions. And I love the verses. I like the package. It is beautiful. My sheep hear my voice. And my, my point this morning is so simple. God speaks to his people. And I wonder what our books would look like if we would write it all down, the times where God clearly spoke to us. Second point, how does God speak to his people? How, how does he speak? My first sub-point under this uh, point is we cannot put God in a box. Don't ever hear someone's testimony how God spoke to them and say, oh, that's the way God speaks because God, you cannot put God in a box. He will do what he will. He will speak to us how he wills. Sometimes he even uses a donkey to speak. I doubt whether any of you heard a donkey Maybe you did. I think that would probably catch the church news if we did. But God speaks in so many different ways. The, the various, maybe I should just say right here that the overarching way that God speaks is through Jesus. We, we saw that in Hebrews 1.1. 1, 1. It's the, the primary way. And I think all the ways God speaks to us is going to be under the umbrella of it's in Christ. So we have various accounts in scripture of God speaking to people. Let me just name a few. God speaking to Ananias. Remember Ananias? Go baptize Paul. He's, he's out in straight street. He's blind right now, but go. And Ananias, no, no. God spoke. God spoke to Paul so many times. Paul wanted to go here. God said, no, you go here. And he saw a, ma a, Macedon a vision, the Macedonian call. And, and that's only one. There's so many times where God spoke to Paul personally. How about Peter? Same. Go to Cornelius' house. He's at Cornelius' house. And God spoke to him again. And he saw the vision. And, and God spoke in a clear, direct way to these people. And sometimes God spoke through others. Catch this, those same two men that I referenced, Paul. He needed to one day give a message to Peter. And instead of God rebuking Peter, God told Paul, go rebuke Peter. And God, rebu uh, yeah, God rebukes Peter through Paul. God spoke through another person. And same with, with uh, Paul. One day, God wanted to warn him. And there was a prophet named Agabus in a church meeting. Agabus stands up and says, Paul, if you go back, this is what's going to happen. And God speaks in so many different ways. He speaks sometimes directly to us. He speaks sometimes through other people. Sometimes God speaks through meetings, church meetings. Read Acts 15 and you'll find a dilemma in the church. They were, they were not sure what to do to their missionary outreaches, if you will. And they had a meeting, a big meeting at Jerusalem. And out of that meeting flowed some wisdom. And they come to the conclusion of that meeting is that that sounds right. So they sent letters to all the mission posts and everybody got a hold of the letter of the conclusion and this is right. So why didn't God just speak directly to the church leader at all the mission posts? God speaks in so many different ways. But it's all God's voice. So the first sub-point is we cannot put God in a box how he speaks. I'm going to just give some personal experiences and give you just a few ways that I think God speaks. Number one, I think God speaks primarily through his word through the written, inspired word that he breathed. Holy men of old were moved by the Holy Ghost to write his heart down, and we have it in print, and he speaks to us that way. And I'll be honest with you, that, as I 
pondered the question around the table, that's the bulk of the entries in my mind, in my mind's journal or diary in how God speaks. How many times has God spoken to me about situations? Maybe it's how to respond, how to apply his word to this situation. He speaks so often through his word. And you can, you have the written word, the logos, just the way, the way it's written. And then sometimes there's the deeper level of God's written word, how it speaks so directly to me or to you. And I'm guessing that has happened to you uh, numerous times. But I, in my reflection, I thought of one. So I dug out one of my old Bibles that I was using in 1995 and 1996. And I, I remembered a verse that was so I mean, heaven dropped out of my Bible. Joyce and I were praying about, should we move to Grenada or shouldn't we? Should we, shouldn't we? Should we? we were praying, and, and I remember reading Isaiah 42, verse 12, in, the, in those moments of praying. And the verse in Isaiah 42, verse 12 says, Let them give glory to the Lord and declare his praise in the islands. Actually, it's not really funny. It was so real. I'm, I'm telling you, God will speak through his word. I know there's probably some caution needs to be given because you can make God, somebody said you can make God's word say whatever you want to if you, want, if you go looking for framing God's word into your, into your will. But I, I, I know nobody will ever, ever tell me that that wasn't God speaking to me. God speaks through his word. God speaks to his people. And th- this is a very close second. I- I'm just talking my experience. Very close second. I thank God for the prophets. I thank God for the church. I thank God for the United Voice. I ju- just remember, I just remember a few. So we move into Grenada, and the assignment that we had was to, to find another area to begin a, thir- a third church. And we were totally helpless, didn't know the culture hardly knew their language or their lingo. And, but but there, were, there were voices that were, that were there. We have relationships in Labrie. Labrie would be a good place to start. There's a... Brothers, sisters, I treasure the voice of God's people. And then I, I thought about some, just some personal things right here. I, rem- I remember, maybe it was started with the evangelism committee, I'm not sure, but I remember some of the very original discussions of we should target an area to do, to do evangelism. And out of that discussion where voices and people were putting their minds together, we, we, let's, let's spend some nights up in Shenandoah. Nobody will convince me that God wasn't speaking to us corporately through, through the body and he was speaking to Myerstown to go to Shenandoah. The most recent history. Remember some of those men's meetings where we talked about uh, we're getting pretty full here at Myerstown and what, some of us got some ideas of far or near and well, let's just let's be looking and listening and let God speak. And within, actually, almost too soon, the Lord seemed to lead us. And then getting together, and it was just healthy for me to reflect on some of those some of those uh, times where God spoke in in clear ways for for us to to make moves. Another one, a little bit more personal, was some of you know that I spent several years teaching at Lebanon Valley School. 
And I want to tell you something. That was, that was maybe some of my deepest wrestlings as an individual. Called? To... Would you consider teaching high school at Lebanon Valley? <laughs> Thanks. Maybe. I'll get back to you if God leads me. A couple of weeks. Maybe a month or two. Have you given that thought? Yeah. You need to give that more thought. Thanks. And my dear wife, you know, you've, you've actually mentioned that a long time ago, that that would be... Thank you. God speaks through other people. And when you get quiet and all alone get, and try to get yourself totally out of the way, God speaks. God speaks through his word. God speaks through his people. God speaks through these kind of overlap. Prayer and peace. Prayer and peace. Very few times have I heard what I call handwriting on the wall, supernatural, maybe once or twice. Praying, okay. God hears what I what I I hear you say. Now just give me the peace. You know the verse. The peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. You're probably aware of it that that word uh, keep your hearts and minds is kind of like uh, an umpire. And you know what umpires do in a game? They bellow out, ball, strike, out, safe. And that's what the peace of God is able to do. It's able to do in your heart and your mind to, to give you peace that passes all understanding. Sometimes, oftentimes, God speaks through circumstances as well. And God opening doors, closing doors, sometimes the door goes shut. And, and it's just a closed door. And it doesn't mean we can't be persistent in praying. And, but summarize this point, how does God speak? It can be the handwriting on the wall. I would really love to hear your stories. I would love to hear some of, I believe that in this size of a group, God spoke to you in a very supernatural way at some point. But the most likely way that our testimonies would ring would be the still, small voice that most of us live in a very noisy world that I wonder if we're hearing. His word, his people, his peace. I wonder if that's why so many of us miss it. Ears to hear. Thirdly, discerning God's voice. Just a few questions. I'm just going to ask the question. Number one, does it align with God's word? Zach talked about a man that he met and some of the things he was saying. The... But God, Hosea laments, he says, my people are destroyed for that lack of knowledge. And sometimes I fear for our generation. I really do. I fear for our generation because I'm not sure we're versed than we have, we have the Bible flowing in and through us as our filter. Does it align with God's word? How, how, can, how can people say... I feel God telling me to remove my veil. I don't know if you have heard that. To just, I'll be honest. I cannot reconcile first. I cannot reconcile First Corinthians eleven verse six. B. Let her be veiled after the after the argument. So let her. And a, a testimony that God speaks. Now I can understand. Uh, people making decisions. But I cannot understand a testimony of God speaking. I, I cannot reconcile it. I cannot reconcile God led me to divorce and remarry. I, I cannot reconcile that testimony of God led me. 
God spoke to me when I read Jesus said, whosoever puts away his wife and marries another commits adultery. So I, I cannot, and I never plan to reconcile the two. And we could add to the list. I cannot reconcile the, the I feel called by God to take up arms and use a gun and self-defense, just war, whatever. I cannot reconcile Matthew chapter 5, the clear teachings, resist not evil, and a testimony, God, I can understand logic, I can understand I'm going to do it, I can understand it, but I can't understand God calling me, God telling me with... So, does it align with God's word? Secondly, Will it make me more like Christ? That's a good question. Will this make me more like the Jesus that I see in my Bible? And I know his footsteps. I know, and you only need to follow some of the movements of the day. The, some of the bizarre things that are happening under the name of the Holy Spirit. And I, Will this make me more like Jesus? Does this pattern my life after Jesus, is it going to make me a little Christ like the Antioch Christians who were first called little Christs? And another question to ask is, have godly counselors confirmed this? I was parking on that this morning, and I, was, I, was, I always thought there was one entry in Proverbs about the multitude of counselors, but there's multiple entries in Proverbs about the safety of counselors, the multitude of counselors. There's... A good question is, if God's telling me this, have I, do, do, do godly counselors confirm it? Of course, aligning with the word. Of course, making us more like Jesus. Do godly, godly counselors confirm it? I, I, I'll be honest. There are times I have thought, I just wish somebody would ask a godly counselor. They're on a road. And you know, you can make the Bible say what you want to if you have conformed God's word to your will. And you can also find the right group of people that will slap a yes onto your ambitions. But find critiquers, find the prophets, find and do, do godly counselors confirm what God is saying? And here's a really big one. Am I surrendered? I heard a powerful testimony in the last little over a week. And this one comes from our dear brother Roger. He was really struggling with a decision to continue in Mexico or not. This was serving as a single. And somebody gave him some very wise counsel. Somebody said, when you're totally surrendered, God will speak to you. And he said, the best I knew how, I totally surrendered. That's pretty hard to come there, right? But we know, we know, we know when, we got, when we get there. Okay, God, I'm so done. I'm so done with logic. I'm so done with my way. I'm so done with... He got there. One of the boys from the orphanage was in a food line. And he stepped out. I think it was the food line. He stepped out of the food line. And he came over to Roger totally, totally unknowing anything about a decision he was facing. Roger, you, you should stay with us. And then it happened again. My point, am I totally surrendered? That's when God speaks. Ears to hear. And then the last question is, do I honestly have the peace of God? A few applications in closing. And I heard this story recently about a cricket in New York City. There were two friends walking in busy Times Square. Some of you have been to Times Square. Not a place I like to hang out, but I've been there a time or two. And, and it is noise and noise and billboards and two friends walking in Times Square and the one was a Native American, and the Native American stopped and said, I, I hear a cricket. 
<laughs> yeah, there's a, yeah. <laughs> thanks. Yes, I hear a cricket. He walks about 20 feet or so over to a planter. There was a plant. Sure enough, there was a cricket making its noise in Bittesy Times Square. And he showed it to his friend. His friend was just totally blown away. He said, well, you might hear that, but then my, my ears would never, ever, ever be able to hear something like that in Times Square. He said, that's not true. The Native American says, you hear what you want to hear. He reaches in his pocket, the Native American, and he pulls out a couple coins. He says, watch this. And he very discreetly, it wasn't a public show, he went, ding, ding, ding. And about 20 people heard it. <laughs> the Native American said, it's so simple. Whatever you want to hear, you're going to hear. And that is so true. You know, have any of you thought about making a purchase and you're thinking about it for about uh, a month or two, and you're driving down there, that's all you notice. And you never noticed it before. And all of a sudden, that's all you see. There's another one, another one. And for the first, ears to hear. The application, the verse is Isaiah 53, verse 3. And Isaiah 50, I'm sorry, Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55 is the beautiful, come unto me, oh, no, Ho, everyone that thirsts, come you to the waters. And then in verse 3, it says, Incline your ear and come unto me, and hear, and your soul shall live. So here's the overarching application. Just incline your ear. Number one, one way to incline your ear. Set time aside. I think there should be time set aside daily. I think there should be a, an X amount of time. I think there should be an X amount of time weekly. And sometime in a month's time, you can carve out a larger slice of time. And I think out of a year, you can carve out a bigger slice of time. Intentionally listening. And I know it's a 24-7 that you really need to listen. But I was so inspired by somebody that told me, every decade of my life, my wife and I will get away for a year, uh, yeah, uh, a day or two, and we're going we're gonna to talk seriously about the next decade. At 50... We talk about what we want to see, where we want to be at 60. And if we want to see and be at 60, we're going to have to be intentional. And I can't say that we're, we do that, but intentional carving out time to live. If Jesus got up a great while before day and went to a solitary place, solitary, and prayed... How much more do we need to be intentional about listening? First, first practical way is set under inclining your ear is just set some time. Another way is just shame on me. I read and I read fast and sometimes I listen on my phone and I put it to two speed and it's, you know, at least I'm getting it done. What happened to the sila? in my life. What happened to the sila in your life? Stop, think about it. That's when God speaks. Do you ever talk to somebody that's just nonstop, just you can't get a word at edgewise? I, I really believe that God would like some sila. Do you feel like you have to pray nonstop when you pray? Or do you or, or is it totally okay to have 30 seconds of quiet in your prayer time, or do you feel that that's a, that's a fail? Well, maybe your mind went off too. I think the second application is just pause when you're praying and reading. Thirdly, limit your noise. Invite the quiet. There's a story about an ice. Yeah, I doubt if any of us remember ice houses, right? But way back before the refrigerator. Maybe, an old, maybe some of the oldest folks here remember some of their... Uh, parents or grandparents talking about the ice box. Maybe they even still call a refrigerator an ice box. But way back in the day, they would carve out the big slabs of ice and they would keep them at a certain place by the river. I don't, I'm not even qualified to speak on it because I don't know about it. But there was this big ice house where they stored the big slabs of ice. And there was sawdust everywhere. And one worker was there one day and he lost his watch. 
and it was an expensive watch, and he just called everybody's attention and said, we were going to stop, we are going to find the watch. And they stopped everybody, they sorted through the sawdust, they couldn't find the watch. And a little servant boy heard about this commotion, he said, what happened? We lost the watch in the ice house. Several days later, the little boy comes to the man that lost it and said, here's your watch. How? Just how? Not too hard. I went there when I couldn't hear another sound. And I listened, and I listened, and I listened, and I discerned the dripping of the ice and that sound, and I was listening to the one other sound, but it, I couldn't hear a thing, and finally, I got to the certain place, I heard And after you heard the tick, 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 it wasn't too difficult. Limit noise, find a quiet place. I, I'm convinced that that's what, what, what I need to hear and that's what you need to hear. 20, 2020 has revealed our ears. The pandemic and all its implications. Election chaos and nationalism and... E- 20? Am I alone in thinking that 2020 has revealed some things that we don't like to see in our, in our churches? I had to repent of some inclining of my ear. It made no difference to me at all, but I got, there's a certain element of the chaos that I was just fascinated by, and I just What you incline your ear to will always affect your spirit. Let me say that again. What you incline your ear to will always affect your spirit. And the voice of the shepherd will always say, I got this. I got the danger. I got the wolf. I got it. Not everybody here remembers Y2K and all its hype. We were in Grenada during the turn of the uh, well, century, millennium, everything. And we had, fortunately, if I had, if I, if I had the option to have internet, I probably would have. But I didn't have, I wasn't, I didn't have a, a capability to tune in. And there were a few people that sounded the warnings. You might be stranded on a little island with no access out. When the computers go, you have no idea what's going to happen. I mean, everything's going to come to a screeching halt, and it will be bad. I went to bed January 31st of 1999, and I actually slept good. But I will admit to you, January 1st of 2000, the first thing I did was I checked my computer, and it worked. A little bit later, God spoke to me and God said three words. In retrospect, all the noise and all the chaos, who said so? Who said so? And I'm not suggesting for a moment that we be naive to COVID, government mandates, vaccine requirements, the travel. In fact, post-COVID international travel is very challenging. But I'm saying, in the midst of all the noise, we must, we absolutely must, incline our ear to God. And end time prophecies, they do speak of global government. And to have have one world government, it cannot happen without a government overreach. It's impossible. Iniquity abounding, and I'm not suggesting that we're just totally okay with all these things. We're going to have to make decisions and hear the voice of the shepherd along the way. But iniquity abounding, it's, we're told. Creation groaning, we're told. Increase of knowledge, technology, artificial intelligence, we're told. Hatred for Christians rising, even the Jews, we're told. For Israel to stand alone, which I, think we see, which I think you can see, 
in prophetic scriptures, Israel alone, there's got to be some pullout. Am I saying it's wise? Am I ears to hear? It's happening. It's happening. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And the probably the biggest, the biggest one in in uh, in application. Is comes from my good friend and your good friend, Abraham. Abraham, he went out not knowing. He obeyed God. Obedience was a, a mark of his life. And sometimes I just like to think about Mount Moriah. God spoke, God said, Abraham, get up in the morning and go. And what did he do? Get up in the morning and went. And as God, as Abraham, Isaac, and the servants traveled up Mount Moriah, step by step by step, on this side of Mount Moriah was a ram, Step by step by step, probably walking in sync. And as they got to the top, Abraham and Isaac couldn't see the ram, but the sovereign God saw both sides of the mountain. And as they walked into it, heard God's voice, walked in obedience, step by step, there came the sacrificial lamb, Jehovah Jireh, and they met at the top. And I wonder what is going to happen as we're walking up our mountain what God is preparing on the backside that we don't see. Ears to hear, let him hear. Let's all stand for a closing prayer. Thank you, Lord, for ears to hear, and mostly thank you for your voice. We agree that you speak. Give us the wisdom and discernment in these noisy, chaotic days to intentionally listen. Thank you for the deep, settled peace, the rest that even permeates our spirits that we receive as you, the gentle, the good shepherd, lead us. Help us to make wise decisions as we face interesting and unprecedented times help us to reflect you in everything we do and we say now lord i pray that you would dismiss us with your blessing make us a blessing to everyone we come in contact with that they could see jesus in our lives and it's in jesus name we pray amen